Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. For 2017, we are going to try to be living stones. My theme for this year is don't be a dead rock, be a living stone. A lot of times, we as Christians forget that we are to be alive unto Jesus Christ. And God has given to us the abundant life through His Son, Jesus. And here in 1 Peter, we are told that we are like living stones built up a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. And as I said earlier, it's all about who He is. I want to give you these two verses here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, because they provide a foundation for us. And I just trust that in a very special way, this foundation is going to help us to grow in Him. The verses are up on the screen. I want to read them this morning in unison, all right? So I will give the reference, 1 Peter 2, 4, and then we'll read the verse together. And then we'll go to the next slide, and I will give that reference, 1 Peter 2, 5. All right, you don't have to worry about references today. And then we'll read the verse together, all right? Here we go. 1 Peter 2, 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That's who he is. He is a living stone, and that living stone was rejected by men. The scripture says he was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. Jesus Christ is a stumbling block to our culture. He was not readily accepted. In fact, the scripture says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them are given the privilege to become the children of God. Amen? And that's what verse 5 tells us. Here we go. 1 Peter 2, 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, did you note there who he is? He is a living stone that was rejected by man. Did you note who we are? We are to be living stones. We are to build up spiritual sacrifices. And we are to offer those sacrifices as they are acceptable to God. It's an interesting study in the scriptures to determine what is acceptable to God. Have you thought about that? Scripture tells us, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen? Scripture tells us, but as for me, my prayer to you, O oh Lord, is acceptable. Our prayers are to be acceptable to him. And the Scripture says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord doesn't hear me. The Scripture tells us that the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable to God. And to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to God than sacrifice. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, right? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Who he is. He was a stone that was rejected. Who we are. Living stones. 
And what we are to do, we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to him. This morning, we are going to share in the Lord's table. We are going to remember his given body and his, his shed blood. And we are going to celebrate who he is. Amen? But along with that, we need to remember who we are and what we are to do. And 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that we not only do this in remembrance of him, but we do this to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I don't know when Jesus is going to come back, but you know it could be 2017. Wouldn't that be great? It could be today. And you and I are to proclaim the wonder of who he is because of who we are to the praise and glory of our God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gives to us the order and meaning of the Lord's table. And it reminds us of how the Lord Jesus Christ on the night he was betrayed took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Now you are aware that in the Seder service, there is a time in which the unity is put together. And there are three slices of matzah bread that are put in one wrap. Many think that stands for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And during that service, they take the middle slice and they break it, putting half of it back in the unity, and the other half they hide to be found later. The symbolism of that great service reminds us of what God did for us through his Son. And it was that act where Jesus broke the bread and said, this is my body which is given for you. And then he took the cup. And the scripture says it's the cup after supper. There are four cups in the Seder service. The one after supper is the third cup, the, the cup of redemption. And he said, this cup of redemption is the new covenant in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Men, please come. I remind you that the book of Corinthians was written to a carnal church, a church that was struggling to find their place in society and to know how to, how to minister to people. I'm going to ask you guys just to sit because I'm going to talk a little bit, right? And when you fall asleep, I don't want you to fall down. It, it was a church that was trying to make a difference, but they weren't real sure how to do that. And as Paul writes to these believers at Corinth, he is reminding them that the standard was not to be society. But the standard is the truth which God has given to us, which is his word. As you work your way through 1 Corinthians chapter 5, tells us that there was sin in the congregation. Sin, the scripture says, that was not even known among the Gentiles. Chapter 6 tells us that the brothers were fighting and even had taken one another to court. Chapter 10 gives to us some warnings. Don't be idolaters. Don't commit fornication. Learn from examples. All things are lawful, but not all things are the best. 
beware that you don't offend your brothers. And then we get to chapter 11 here. And in chapter 11, verse 2, he says, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain traditions which I have delivered to you. In verse 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And that's what this is all about. Reminding us to be imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we work our way down through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we, we discover that there were some conditions in the church. There was schism in the church. And verse 17 tells us that within this church, they could not be commended because when they come together, it wasn't for the better, but it was for the first. Verse 18, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. You know, God is never pleased when there are divisions within the body. Now, it does not mean that we are unanimous, but it does mean that in his son, Jesus Christ, we have unity because we are together in him, brothers and sisters in Christ. We had an opportunity to spend some time with our family Christmas Day. Last Sunday afternoon, we drove over to Rochester, Michigan and had a family dinner about 4 o'clock and and everybody gathered, and God answers prayer. There wasn't any fussing. There wasn't any feuding. Nobody tried to get a one-up one on anybody else, not even Adam. And if you repeat that, I'll deny it. Adam is our son-in-law who likes to keep things stirred up, if you know what I mean. He just kind of likes that. But everybody got along. We all hugged and kissed when everybody left. And when everybody left, Connie and I said amen. I said amen. Connie didn't. But we're a family, folks. And isn't it great to be part of the family of God? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs, you and I with Jesus as we travel this side. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. But not only were there division, schism, some separation that had brought the family to a point of almost being apart, but there was some self-willed heresies. Verse 19 tells us, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. There were some who didn't know Christ. In fact, at the end of 2 Corinthians, Scripture tells us to examine ourselves to make sure we're in the faith. And this is a time of examination. A time where we take stock in our relationship with Christ. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Some of you have made the resolution not to make any resolutions. But New Year's gives us an opportunity to just kind of sit back and take stock. Where are we? Are you where you want to be spiritually? If not, what steps are you going to take this year to go from where you are to where you need to be? It does not happen by accident. Living the Christian life needs to be intentional. And it's not my will, 
but his will be done. We're going to work our way through 1 Peter this year. And we are going to discover that in 1 Peter, Peter reminds us a couple of places that God's will is that we follow Jesus Christ. You know the WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's First Peter stuff. We are to follow in his steps. And those are spiritual steps in our lives. It's not about being self-willed. And it's also not about being self-serving. Verse 20 says, When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one of you goes ahead at his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk, and all those kinds of things. It's not about me, me, me. That was the condition of the church. I am so thankful that is not the condition of Calvary Baptist Church. Because God has given to us that love for each other. Paul goes on in this passage of Scripture to tell us some cautions. There are some warnings because celebrating the Lord's table is serious business. We don't come to this lightly. In fact, the text says that we are to examine ourselves. In verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. This is serious stuff. And we need to understand that coming before God in this way causes us to look at our relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? But there's this celebration. Celebration of what God has done for us through his son. And that's the communion service. That's the celebration of remembering him. Connie and I have been cleaning out boxes. And yesterday we, we, that we is kind of a generic we because it's Connie who's doing this, you understand. We were sitting downstairs and Connie was going through some boxes. And I, I saw her with a scrapbook. Pictured scrapbook. Almost tears because of the memories that that scrapbook gave to us, gave to her. I was watching the football game. And it wasn't 7 o'clock yet. But the celebration of remembering him. Say it with me, will you please? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God so loved oh how he loves you and me and that's the celebration the celebration of his love given to us 
through his son, Jesus. And what ought that to cause us to do? It ought to cause us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Scripture tells us that that night. That night was a celebration of the Passover. And it was a celebration of the Passover by the one who was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. The one who would shed his precious blood in payment for our sins. The one who would go to the cross in just a few hours and become the sacrifice for the sins of the world. That God's love could be shown to the whole. That was the one who said, this is my body. My body, which is given, free will, given for you. This do as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. He took the cup after supper. This cup. Remember the Lamb of God. This cup. Is the new covenant, not the old covenant. The old covenant was sacrifices had to be offered regularly for the sins of the people. And there was atonement, but it was only a covering. The new covenant is he took away the sin of the world. And the scripture says that after he had offered sacrifice, went to glory, he sat down the right hand of the throne of God because there was no need for any other sacrifice to ever be offered. For as often as ye eat the bread and drink the cup, you have a responsibility to show forth, proclaim what he has done until he comes back to take us home. Living stones. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Living stones living out from the one who was the living stone rejected by men. We began our service with 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. Can we look at these verses one more time, please? 1 Peter 2, 4. Let's read the verse together. Here we go. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That's who he is. Now, who are we? Verse 5. Let's read this together, please. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's who we are and what we're to do. We are living stones. And he has brought us together so that we might be that holy priesthood, building this spiritual house, offering up sacrifices that are acceptable to him through Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't be a dead rock. Be a living stone. And 1 Peter is going to tell us how we are to be living stones. I want to just take an opportunity to give you an outline to 1 Peter, all right? May I do that? If you have notes, you will see that our outline is stones, all right? We are to be 
living stones. And let me share with you how Peter tells us we are to live that out in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 1. Suffering proves our faith. And Peter reminds us that as we suffer in this old world, we can be a testimony to those who are around us. Look with me at verses 6 and 7, will you please, of 1 Peter chapter 1. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? Verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 2017 allows us not only to look back and see God's faithfulness, but to look ahead. Sometimes we talk about turning over a new leaf. I would rather turn to a new life. Now, I don't know what that means. And I don't know what 2017 is going to hold for any of us. But I do know who holds 2017. I am certain of this. Some of us this year are going to be tested. Some of you are being tested right now. May I remind you of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were tested? And they were thrown in the fire, right? Do you remember that? In fact, those who threw them in the fire were killed because the fire had been heated to such a degree that those who came close to it perished. But may I remind you that as the king looked into that fire, he did not see three, he saw four. And the fourth was like the Son of God. Whatever happens this year, remember you have a friend in the fire. And our suffering will prove the genuineness of our faith. Does it work? Is it real? And it does work, and it is real. Amen? Not only does Peter tell us about the genuineness of our faith, he also tells us that we are to give testimony like Christ. Chapter 2. Look with me at verse 21. For to you this has, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you shall follow in his steps. As living stones, we are to reflect the life of the one who was rejected. As living stones, we are to walk and talk like Jesus. John tells us, he that has this hope in him walks as Jesus walked. And I think that we can change that W to a T. He who has this hope in him talks like Jesus talks. And our testimony is to be like Jesus Christ. People should look at our lives and see them reflecting the one 
who is our life, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we are to do. Now, chapter 3 reminds us that there is nothing else but God that matters. Verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You and I need to understand that there is nothing else but God that matters. And as we make him Lord, people are going to ask why we're different. They will see that. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but do what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. There's nothing else but God that matters. Chapter 4, verse 11. Verse 11 of chapter 4. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And in chapter 5, we are to serve humbly, especially elders. It starts out in chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you. Leadership is to serve humbly. And verse 8 says, we are to humble ourselves in the under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt us at the proper time. We are to serve humbly. And in the midst of this, we must stand fast. Verse 12 of chapter 5. By Slavanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God Stand firm in it. Living stones. Standing firm. So this year, don't be a dead rock. Be a living stone. Because of who he is, who we are, and how that is to be lived out in our lives. I trust you've been encouraged this morning. Been a little different kind of service order. But the whole purpose was to focus our attention on him. His given body, his shed blood. Jesus Messiah. And who we are before him as living stones for his honor for his goal.